0: This is Speaking of Shakespeare, a series of conversations about things Shakespearean. I'm Thomas Dabbs, recording this introduction from Aoyama Gakuin University in central Tokyo. The following conversation is with Hirohisa Igarashi, who teaches English language and literature at Toyo University in Tokyo. Professor Igarashi is a very active Shakespeare scholar on the international stage and today we will discuss his recent research and also explore the directions he takes in teaching Shakespeare in Japan. Before we begin, I should add that this conversation is made possible with the help of institutional educational support from Aoyama Gakuin, and that this series is also funded by a generous grant from the Japan Society for the Promotion of Science called Kaken, and this organization thankfully includes support for research in the humanities. Good afternoon, Konnichiwa, Hiro. How <laughs> are definitely, you? <laughs> definitely dumb. Listen, it is a joy for me to uh, see you, and I say this to all the people I interview because we have we have been uh, restricted from seeing each other face to face. And I normally get to see you at the Shakespeare Society of Japan conference yes, and maybe um... another conference. <laughs> And it's, it's made an weird. annual
1: event for us to see each other at the conference. And uh,
0: I know, and we, we couldn't stuff. have it this past year. We yeah. uh, and Definitely. so I, um. Uh, is ha- is happy to see you, and it's also happy for me to see you in my afternoon and your afternoon at the same time. We're in the same time zone. <laughs> and I uh, you're you're the first uh, you're our first representative from Japan, Japanese scholar. oh am I? <laughs> yes, so congratulations wow. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming it's on. Because <laughs> yeah, I want to uh, interview more, but I. This this helps to overcome some of the sh- the shyness of some of our colleagues who uh, are extremely good but may mm-hmm. be a little bit uh, hesitant about doing this type of format. It's it's all new, uh, but so I've I've had to do this early in the morning for Americans and later in the evening uh, for people in Europe, UK, uh, two speakers, and so it's 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 good to have someone in at my own time <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's just wonderful. Now, uh, what I want to do before we start, I'm gonna ask you about your career and background, but I want to point out to our readers that you have a new translation, a book out. It is the translation of Peter Blaney's it's work on a, a this Xper- a classic book, But it's new in Japan, yes. I'm, I'm it's happy. It's new that in that Japan. Translation is finally published uh, in Japanese. A very wonderful accomplishment to make sure that Blaney's name and his work is distributed in the Japanese language for people who may not run across it. It is not the easiest publication to find. And uh, I, I got mine when I was studying, uh, doing research at the Folger. Mm. And you have a beautiful picture of the Folger Library on the cover here. It's very, it's very uh, beautifully done. Yes, yeah, actually
1: the, the, the picture as you know, is a professionally taken by the, uh, the photographers uh, of, of the, uh, the library
0: mm. when
1: uh, Dr. Peter Blaney was still there and yeah uh, I got the special permission, kind permission from the Folger Library to use that uh, particular picture. Is he at Toronto now? Is that right? I think so, yeah. yes. Um, yes, I, I feel like uh, he's always with us because uh, we, we typically communicate with each other on the emails nowadays. Uh, yeah. yes, 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 he seems to be living in Toronto. Among Shakespeareans, even in Japan, his name is very famous, but uh, I don't think uh, uh, a lot of students or uh, a lot of larger audiences involved in Shakespeare studies and Shakespeare production in Japan, Uh, they do not know him very well. This sort of area of study is not known very much in in Japan, and I think uh, in the English-speaking world as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and it should be better known uh, because it is. Once you get into Blaney, that works like this, and also his contribution to the uh, bookshops of mm-hmm. of uh, St. Paul's, then you start seeing a, an entirely more expanded. You you get a sense, a real sense of a small location with those book yes. shops yes. and a real sense of how those shops played, yes. the, the books in those shops played into the theater at that time. Yes. And then it brings to mind the greater city of London and how much influence. And a lot of people have written on this, of course, but uh, Blaney's work is a very precise work in the size and shape and location of bookshops, was just a kind of revelation for me you know, I was going to tell our audience here that we're at the end of term and uh, the Japanese system I say in every podcast is a bit different from the system in the rest of the world, particularly in Europe and North America in that we start our semesters in April. So now we're in the end of January and we're finishing Mm -hmm. what would be our fall semester. So it's falling on us as professors to grade our students Uh, in some cases for a whole year, most of the time now, but for the semester at least. And then at the same time, think about how we're planning our courses next year. So it's a bit of a stressful Period. Yeah, it's a very
1: stressful period um, in Japan. Also, we need to deal with entrance exams, uh, especially when we are working for private universities. We have lots and lots of channels whereby we take uh, a prospective candidates.
0: <laughs> well, I uh, put in your introduction to to this conversation that you are a professor at. Toyo University, and not that far away from where I teach. I think that that campus, and I, I came over, and you had invited invited Sarah Olive to speak, and that's when I first met Sarah, Mm -hmm. and I thank you so much for bringing her into Japan, and of course she has interest in the um, what multinationalism, but also East Asia and specifically Japan, and that was a wonderful talk, and it was a yeah that was
1: a wonderful occasion, and actually it was not. Uh, Quite often, the Toyo University decides to invite uh, foreign scholars. But because, as you know, uh, Toyo University was selected as one of the uh, super global universities by the Ministry of Education, um, we put we started putting emphasis on like uh, internationalizing all these areas of studies um, as more than before all of a
0: sudden. So we're going to be having more opportunities like that in the future, I, I hope. Um, Japan is such a welcoming country for foreign scholars who come in mm-hmm. uh, and speak, that it's a shame that we don't do more of it, yes. because once we get them here and get them settled, it's a little difficult, maybe to, there's a mm-hmm. bit of a culture shock, Yes. but you and I and several of our colleagues can make sure that they have speaking engagements mm. and it's, it's good for them, their exposure, and it's a wonderful, if everyone has done this, has just talked about how wonderful it is and how graciously they have been received by the, uh, Jap- their Japanese sponsors and, uh, and we do need to do more of this mm. to uh, our students. Yes. Yes. Uh, need more of this. And I think Sarah is a wonderful sort of ambassador, uh, because she speaks about education, and she's, she's, uh, she's younger, she can connect with her students, yes. I think, yes. very, very well, uh, as well as other scholars I've invited. Yeah, and, and it
1: brings, I mean, it gives the students a very good uh, influence as well, because uh, from the student's perspective, um, uh, having a Lesson by a foreign uh, professor in entirely in English. I mean, students are uh, tend to be very shy in Japan, and they don't know uh, what uh, is going on in English-speaking classes. But after having the real, the first-hand experience by having such a uh, talented professor as Sarah, uh, they their uh, how do you say the psychological filter. Suddenly uh, lowered, uh, and um, they, they become increasingly receptive to what is going on in, in Shakespeare studies abroad, and and so on and so forth. They now feel uh, much more comfortable than before uh, yeah. after having a, a professor uh, from from uh, away from abroad. Yes, and, and I
0: wish we could continue to do that. Um, well, I think that uh, there seems to be a push on in our university. To and, and you know,
1: Aoyama University is luckier than us because they have you uh, as a, uh, <laughs> uh, a permanent professor working and teaching Shakespeare. And uh, whereas uh, our department at Hakusan, we do not have a uh, uh, English speaking uh, uh, expert on in, 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 I don't think any other field of English literature has the uh, native speaker of English teaching there.
0: Yeah, well, you're an English speaker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I use about 30% English in my class, uh, but uh, because we are so comfortable talking to each other in in, in Japanese, Uh, so uh, uh, I I naturally switch to Japanese and just speak on and and on uh, toward the end of the class. It's very difficult to keep on speaking English to each other uh, while we know that uh, we, we could communicate in Japanese with each other. Uh, more comfortably.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, if you run into trouble with the English, understanding the English, you can default to Japanese, which I've gotten better at over the years as my Japanese has improved, but not nearly as good as, of course, a native speaker of Japanese. So uh, that's a great benefit for students. And you sent me, in fact, your syllabus, and I'm very interested because I just finished mine. Oh,
1: thank you. You know, I just finished writing that yesterday, and
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, very more, recently, but, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're at that point, that juncture of the year where we're we're faced with some of the failures of our students. Yes, there, there are always some students. Uh, many of my students have done very, very well this year, but a few didn't make it. And I always feel partially like it's my failure so then when you're planning the next year you try to plan for a better class and it's it's a little stressful that way because you you're up against failure and then you have to summon the hope for the next year and try to put some new ideas in and and I see that you've done this Mm -hmm. and Uh, I wanted to ask you really what the greatest challenge it is specifically teaching Shakespeare to Japanese students. What's the biggest challenge? The biggest
1: challenge, and once we start
0: teaching, that
1: that is when we meet each other in class in April, the beginning of April, where our semester starts. You know, uh, I tend to enjoy teaching and I think students uh, start enjoying in learning Shakespeare, so there's no problem. But the biggest problem, I think, is that Shakespeare as a subject, or Shakespeare as a figure, is getting more and more marginalized in our institution. And English literature, in general, is getting marginalized in in our uh, institutional system. And Shakespeare, in particular, for some uh, unknown reason, he's given a label of, of, um, well, uh, oldness, maybe. and, and, And a lot of professors even, uh, expert in English uh, literature uh, even, they, they tend to think that Shakespeare is written in old English sometimes or, or medieval English so uh, that makes uh, the situation a bit difficult for, for I mean that the makes it difficult for, for, for students to, to get uh, easy access to Shakespeare mm. and, and also when students were still in high school I think the world history class is where they first encounter Shakespeare, or what they think they first encounter Shakespeare as a big name, it, 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 some, as a, something which. Uh, represents uh, whole Western history or Western idea, democracy, and 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 all sort of things. So uh, students tend to be shy away from uh, getting easy access. To, whereas you know we have more better choices or more, more apparently easier choices than Shakespeare. When you know they come to actual actually choosing uh, between classes. You see, we have Kazuo Ishiguro, we have pop culture classes, we have like what have you and uh, Shakespeare is placed as one of them. It's a very difficult to drag the attention of students. <laughs> Being a Shakespeare professor means, it doesn't mean that uh, one is an like exclusively Shakespearean in the institution. Like one is also expected to teach uh, general language courses. I even teach Toic uh, if uh, your audiences are familiar with that. Uh, mm-hmm. We teach uh, all sorts of English as a uh, global language. So I'm sort of using, uh, uh, the opportunity of teaching these courses to get the uh, interest of students, you see, mm-hmm. and uh, drag the attention to, to just invite them to, to learn Shakespeare more with me. So that's, uh, that's my strategy. Um,
0: yeah, well yeah. I do encourage them if they're having trouble with the English, we, we slow up and go line by line into English and I try to explicate oh, it in yes. English, but they're also very welcome to use Japanese translations yes, yes. to uh, help them along. Uh, And my greatest uh, challenge in doing it that way is humor. In Ah. some ways, Hamlet is easier than much ado about nothing. And and it's almost not worth it how much context you have to bring to a joke like one of the uh, the, mm-hmm. the the guy playing the, what, Dogberry, the constable yes. uh, makes a joke on the word tedious. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what the word means. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he calls uh, Leonardo, I think, trying to compliment him. He says, you're the most tedious man I've ever met or something to that degree. And that's a joke. He misuses a word. And I think most, even my very top bright students had trouble understanding how a native speaker would not understand the meaning of an english word yes it's yes. very hard to see the humor there yes the class i'm teaching is is more like a beginner's level so
1: uh, uh, before teaching the uh, the humor and the uh, and the linguistic element of the class i need to first make sure that shakespeare's english is more contemporary mm-hmm. like uh, it's even undistinguishable from modern english such as like i i use for example like all sorts of uh, bits and bits of um from uh, current English like from movies or from, from recent TV show and uh, just arbitrarily place them together with Shakespeare's language such as like, yeah, like famous phrases like all that bleach is not gold or or, or whatever like you know the, the, the famous Shakespearean line that students should know through their uh, uh, education and then ask them which one is uh, a quotation from Shakespeare and then you know it makes this obviously like some of the English that we use in in uh, modern uh, uh communication uh, is is uh, is as formal or as as uh old as sounds more antique than Shakespearean English sometimes um, yeah that is something I, I I use very often you know I, I do and then maybe toward the end of the semester end of like we have like 15 lessons in one semester it's very a small amount of uh, 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 classes in compared to uh, English speaking institutions, and at the end of um, uh, the semester, I think depending on how students uh, learned, uh, you know, I, I start introducing uh, the the minute, uh, you know, the jokes and and, and nuances um, uh,
0: of, of the, uh, the linguistic elements in Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, well, it seems from what I I looked over, and thank yeah. you for sharing with me. We don't do this enough. Yeah. But I'm yes. going to garner some ideas from your teaching in my mm-hmm. class, mm-hmm. Uh, because even though I might have, you know, a, a small percentage of students who really take on with it, I need to teach to mm-hmm. the entire body, and a little bit better. That is the way I see it after this year, mm-hmm. uh, and so that. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that with me, and uh, I, I, we're we're looking at a little bit of a break now, and I. I think that you, and I know I do, might have, after a bit of a, of a rest, uh, maybe some research objectives that we take on,
1: mm-hmm. even
0: though we will be brought in from time to time for examinations or the entrance exam. And you know this, it, it can be a little bit of a stressful period for everyone involved. But uh, I have been looking over, uh, along with your, uh, translation of Blaney, you have a recent article on Romeo and Juliet and the Ninagawa. You do a wonderful job in that article of, of explaining how Ninagawa ties in contemporary political concerns at that time with the production and its reception, which is one of your areas. And you and I overlap in our interest in reception of Shakespeare mm-hmm. you know, all the way through. We'll talk about your interest in the 18th century mm-hmm. in a moment. Yes. but yes. Um, uh, that, that's a, a very fine article, I think, and, and shows what can be done, what a great director can do with, with Romeo and Juliet in terms of fusing, not only crossing cultures, but also time, time and space really. Uh, and you saw that production. And what did, you, did you come away thinking that Ninagawa had succeeded? Uh, Well, in general, the production was not good (laughs) in compared to other three
1: productions of Ninagawa, Romeo and Juliet productions, and uh, other Shakespearean plays. But what I saw in there is uh, the different sorts of, like, Ninagawa was dealing with with, uh, more of a commercial theatres and internationally known such as Macbeth or Hamlet or what have you that uh, the people in the West uh, know very well. But uh, what he seems to have been doing in that particular Romeo and Juliet is going back to his early days in 60s or maybe in 70s where he was active in the underground, uh, uh, a direct active as an underground director rather than a commercial theater. And I thought this element is, is something which has never been introduced to the Western audiences. So I just wanted to sort of uh, uh, I talk a bit about that um, yes yep. the political element and how this uh, this this whole uh, uh, movement uh, of of all of, uh, of, 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 of this uh, underground theaters originated in Japan and
0: well that would he would be a long I don't know how contemporary he was, but in Deguchi San the uh, Deguchi who uh, did the uh, Jean Jean theater back yes. in the 70s I believe yes, in yes. Uh, Shibuya and which was a bit underground. Yeah, were you in Japan when uh, uh, these plays were uh, started? Um, uh, No. uh, We we were in Hiroshima Uh, maybe. uh, Well, I I was, I came to Japan in 94, so I would have missed most of this. I've just learned about it through my students really. And then looking at it, Uh, there isn't nearly enough out there readily available on these underground theaters as Mm -hmm. they came from Mm Uh, you know, of course, the 60s and 70s, there was a a kind of radical, not kind of, there was a radical movement in Japan, and very famously at the University of Tokyo in in the 60s. And, and there was a a countercultural movement that was very, very strong, just like it might have been in San Francisco, or in London at that same time. And some wonderful creative efforts beyond Shakespeare came from that. But the the names that Come to me or Ninagawa and, and Deguchi and I'm sure you know more who would have been part of that.
1: In fact, I do not, I mean,
0: a lot of people know
1: uh, better about Deguchi and Ninagawa than I do in, in, in English-speaking worlds already because, I mean, as you probably know, I was in Hiroshima and I was more bookish uh, uh, <laughs> uh, researcher of Shakespeare because, I mean, you know, Hiroshima, as you probably know better than I do, I mean, uh, Shakespeare is more of a literature than, than, you know, the theater, isn't it? That's and, uh, right. About 10 years ago, after I moved to Saitama, I started seeing Shakespeare in production more, and that was the heyday of Ninagawa, you see. So I know uh, probably much more about Ninagawa, but I'm less about uh, Deguchi-san's de- 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 uh, uh, Shakespeare. <laughs>
0: I mean, the beginning
1: of Deguchi-san's de- uh, uh, Shakespeare.
0: Yeah. And, and just for people who don't, uh, who are outside of the uh, recent history of Japanese politics, uh, Ninagawa-san, was, the mm-hmm. production itself was pretty openly critical of the Abe government that was bringing back in the, uh, the, the were trying to set up a military in the old way. Uh, and that's, that's about it. And there are uh, many, many uh, Japanese people who are ardently against having uh, there is a defense force in Japan, but yes. making it a force that could be potentially used for offensive measures outside of the borders of Japan is something that many, many Japanese people are against, and there's there's a strong uh, resistance to that. And, and of course, there are people on the other side who who uh, who like it. You had a conservative movement to push for more a more aggressive a military. And then this is part of a kind of res- a mood of resistance against uh, yes. that uh, that trend, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it was very very intense uh, in 2014, I think, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm you were talking about bookishness and Hiroshima so we have that overlapping thing. I was in Hiroshima from 94 to 99 and looking at your credentials I think you were later we weren't we did not yes. overlap. Apparently I went to Hiroshima just after you left <laughs> and I stayed there for just 10 after. years teaching yeah. Shakespeare mainly. And you were for a period at Jogakuin University. Yes
1: the um graduate school was in higashi hiroshima at that time but i was lucky in a way because my supervisor lived in my neighborhood (laughs) and where was your your neighborhood did um occasional uh you know uh meetings in my office in at hiroshima jogakuin university oh okay rather than myself going to higashi hiroshima because he was living there and um, he, he for me it's more it's easier to, to come to my office to, uh, to discuss
0: Shakespeare. <laughs> that is wonderful that you could yeah. do that and uh, because that commute was not that easy. I lived for a period at uh, Ekimai-dori and yes. for, uh, yes. that's in translation the road that goes to the station, the road in front of the station which is usually a main street uh, and every night uh, with the, the uh, bozo soku uh, it would, would come by and um, mm. it, was, it was noisy. And, uh, and I didn't, when I first got there, I knew n- next mm. to no Japanese and you'd have this motorcycle gang and it sounded threatening. They, it turned out they're, they're just juvenile delinquents. They're not that threatening, uh, but they make a lot of noise. And, uh, and then this um, melody, I would hear this sad melody and think what an, what an interesting culture here in Hiroshima in Japan. And uh, the melody was yakimo, oishi, oishi, yakimo. Yeah. And I thought, uh, and then I finally figured out he's selling sweet potatoes. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not just walking down the street, singing a sad song mm. over, mm. which were very good and, uh, and very much part of the culture. But in, we moved uh, to Saijo or which is the same as Higashi Hiroshima. Yes. yes. And, uh, and managed to get uh, Ikenya, a house in the country that was brand new, had been built for the uh, son of a man who wanted his son and daughter-in-law to live close by, and he mm-hmm. was tra- that son was transferred to Tokyo. So it cost next to nothing to live in this beautiful sort of Kotaro-style oh, really? t- mm-hmm. area and still yes. be only five minutes from the university. Those were those mm-hmm. wonderful years, three years we lived there. You were in Bungakubu, which is the culture, department of culture. Yes, I was uh, uh, going to the Bungakubu of the Hiroshima University. Bungakubu would be humanities. Uh, yes. Hiroshima University would be a a very, very fine place to study. It's an elite university in Japan. And there's some very, very fine people there. And I think it's considered maybe uh, in the area of education, one of the strongest universities uh, in all of Japan. Uh, and of course in uh, humanities. I was in Sogo Kagakabu, in, Integrated Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. And they loaded us up with, as you were talking, with English classes. So mm-hmm. we did get a Sinmon our specialty class uh, and there were some really fine people in that department when I was there. You were at uh, Rits- uh, menkan for your undergraduate, uh, another very, very fine uh, university. And is that your, where is your home? Your uh, My home? <laughs> yes. Where,
1: where, uh, <laughs> so in, you... in Saitama at the moment, but I kept moving. I mean, at, until I was 18, uh, until I was at high school, I was
0: in Fukushima. Yes. <laughs> close to here. <laughs> um, and you were up north for a period, I think, if, if I'm reading, didn't you go? Yes, into...
1: after I did my first degree at ritz in Kyoto, yeah. I went up to uh, Hokkaido, oh, uh, Hokkaido, where I stayed about uh, well, I think I was four years, five years, yes. Yeah,
0: so yes. You, you're and trans. You, you you have this trans Japanese experience. Yes, from the north to the, <laughs> the uh, to Kyoto to Hiroshima. The only reason I left Kyoto is
1: because I did not have an air conditioner uh, working in my uh, <laughs> apartment. <laughs> I could get I mean if you have been to Kyoto <laughs> the summer there without air conditioner is just a torture it's hectic it's, and <laughs> it's murderous and, it's and so uh, I saw was. the uh, ad of hokkaido university graduate school uh before the faculty office and I was fascinated I just went up north in summer to take the exam and and, and there you go and that's uh, yeah. the only reason and I wanted to be uh more like relaxed and uh, and, and, and free. I, I, was, I was pretty much interested in Shakespeare already uh, uh, at the end of my undergraduate days, but I knew that uh, the going to, to, to study uh, Shakespeare at graduate school is, is no good uh, in, a, in a kind of set environment. And Hokkaido University did not seem to have a uh, expert on Shakespeare. So I thought that I could study uh, freely <laughs>
0: you came to the japanese school system so by the time you went to college you knew that you were going to be in the school of humanities in Boongakabu but when did you figure out that you were headed into that direction rather than a stem subject or you know science (laughs) and technology because many, i'd say the majority of men go into those areas probably because they feel an obligation yeah up until when
1: i was a third grade in in make uh, uh, and I was more interested in Pacific Rim studies, Pacific Rim region studies. Uh, in those days, this was a big subject there, and political sciences, international relations, and, and so forth. Although I was in the English department, I studied Shakespeare, uh, I studied Shakespeare in, in, uh, in a very classic way. I never, uh, uh, I got interested in that. <laughs> but um, I was trying to be away from the English department. So I decided to uh, go to Canada to, 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 um, I mean, there was a good exchange program uh, at British and with a University of British Columbia in in Vancouver. So I joined that program and uh, tried to be away from from Shakespeare and English literature to look for something more interesting. Mm -hmm. But I peeped into one English class there, uh, uh, which was Shakespeare. In, In Japanese school, they tend to enlarge what is difficult in Shakespeare to, I don't know, I don't know if uh, you were exposed to that situation, but in 90s and 80s, uh, Shakespeare study was taught by prestigious professors. (laughs) I I don't know, I I, I do not say who, but I mean Mm -hmm. uh, they they tend to be taught by well-known professor and we were expected to uh, uh, sit quite quietly until we're uh, told to speak up and what we were expected to do is to read each line accurately and translate that into accurate Japanese and explain why we did that and so on and so forth which is not interesting at all for for Mm -hmm. undergraduate students so I you know that was the reason I I, I, I hated English literature but um, in Canada obviously that sort of things are uh, not simply there. It's, it's Shakespeare is is well. It's it's a national subject, and you know, uh, in, at college level, they are freely they they expected to discuss uh, um, uh, you know uh, from their own uh, perspectives and, and and exchange their ideas and quite freely in class. And I just liked that uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I was even. Um, you know, got fascinated by Shakespeare. I actually read more Shakespeare uh, than I did uh, after I came back. I, I read uh, uh, almost all uh, uh, thirty-seven works when I was in Canada. The first because uh, there were there was much time uh, uh, during uh, a weekend, and also um, more people who can talk about Shakespeare in in Canada. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in different. I mean, Shakespeare uh, could become a common topic to to, to start talking to each other and so forth. So I got fascinated and I read more and more. I enjoyed uh, Shakespeare more and more and decided to study Shakespeare after I came back to Kyoto. Uh, uh, so, I just knock on the door of a young professor who was then studying professor noguchi uh the the gentleman who translated uh eighteenth century Shakespeare with me in uh, later on i mean he was uh, very young and uh and uh, fascinating in those days, and I just knock on his door and uh, asked him to uh, <laughs> get me into his seminar to study Shakespeare. And he said, "Yes,
0: you're welcome." Yeah. Yes, that's oh, uh, what, a, an old what, what great timing! What great timing yes. that you could find Noguchi, uh, Professor Noguchi. Yes, yes, he that was, time uh, in your uh, life. Yes, um, mm. so that's the pivotal moment. That's when things really came yes. together. Yes, and uh, you were at for a period at Queen Mary College in London. Uh, I think. Oh, you, you know you, very well, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so you studied also in London. So <laughs> quite a lot of international experience. Uh, the, uh, Victoria and uh, London and then... I mean, Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver um, uh, and I'm U.S. sorry, U.S. Vancouver.
1: Yes, also uh, Victoria later on. I, I yeah. uh, took one year sabbatical and studied... Oh, that's where I'm getting Victoria from. I was... 2007, yeah. just before I left uh, uh, Hiroshima. Yes. Yes, I spent my last sabbatical from that university. And um, yes, that
0: was Victoria University in, in yes. BC. Yes. How was London? How did you, how was that experience? Um. Yeah, sure. It's
1: just one year and a little, little bit. Um, until I finished my MA. Actually, yeah. I wanted to stay longer, but uh, we got married and everything. So uh, the situation necessitated me to come back to Japan afterwards. So I only stayed there for MA and that's it. But that uh, busy, busy time. Yes, um, I, I wished uh, I, uh, I had been in London before uh, and, and maybe as, as an undergraduate student or as a PhD student. Uh, so that I could have more more freedom uh, exploring mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I, I spend most of the time in the library reading, <laughs> preparing for. I mean, it's not a good idea. To, I mean, I, I, I do not criticize British education system, but it's not a good idea to 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 uh, uh, cram students with too much uh, uh, work to do. I mean, it's it's more like a, like a high school student in Japan, where uh, they're all expected to to read just to take the entrance examinations, but for the uh, MA student in England I and mean, they're expected to read uh, from uh, the fixed uh, you know uh, um uh, reading lists and, and and students consequently they do not seem to have more freedom whereas in Japan like we we, we have too much freedom maybe <laughs> as an MA student we are given three years to to to, to consider uh uh deeply what to think about first and then start writing an MA thesis and and Mm -hmm. so forth but but I mean we are not properly directed though Mm -hmm. maybe maybe uh some some something in between British
0: education system and Japanese uh, education Mm -hmm. system should work yeah well I'm sure that that uh, you you work in that in-between space and I try to also Mm -hmm. the space in between ultimate freedom and too much Mm -hmm. rigor Uh, and to uh, try to direct students but also allow them to think on their own and when it works out it works out very well. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Some students expect a lot more direction yes and others want to take their own course of maybe a little bit too much they get too uh general uh what was the joke uh I had a uh, just in a basic uh, what we call integrated English in our uh, I had a, a student there who wanted to write it what was basically a short report and she says I want to write about Africa mm. <laughs> I said you're, you're going to have to get mm. a lot more specific <laughs> Africa is a very very large place you know start with choosing a country and maybe a period of time and and do a little research into that but uh, Anyway, so I'm interested in, in how you got inter- in and how you got interested in uh, the 18th century reception oh, of 18th century. Yes. what led you into that direction, because that's fascinated me too. The, was it from a professor you were studying with or was it from um, Noguchi Sensei? Mm-hmm. Well, I got interested in that field after I
1: started teaching Shakespeare, at first I was 27 when I started teaching Shakespeare at Hiroshima Jogakuin and I didn't know what I was expected to teach and so forth. All of a sudden, like a predecessor retired um, and uh, the the, the course was given to me and that that was titled uh, Reading Shakespeare, Reading Shakespeare. And apparently, the reading the syllabus of my predecessors, I was uh, uh, kind of expected to read into what Shakespeare was thinking, or like as Dr. Johnson was perhaps teaching uh, Gar- David Garrick, perhaps uh, what Shakespeare was thinking there and there. That was uh, uh, something that was typical in, in Japanese schooling, and I was thinking that I mean Shakespeare. Um, does not really exist, doesn't it? I mean, Shakespeare is something that we create, I uh, keep creating uh, on theaters, in bookstores, maybe uh, through pop cultures and everything. So I was interested in the way in which I, I can introduce how Shakespeare uh, was being created, how Shakespeare as Shakespeare we study was created originally. and. Uh, I, I thought I needed to go, uh, I needed to go back to the 18th century rather than the 17th century, because that's when Shakespeare's image was really created, Shakespeare as the National Poet. And, and yeah. um, Shakespeare, as you know, is a big figure in English literature in Japan, but that goes back to the uh, the 18th century image. And yes. we did not know, and we still don't know uh, how Shakespeare was regarded by uh, the ordinary people scholars or scholars or or theatricals in, in the seventeenth century, like we don't mm-hmm. exactly know. but we know that uh, we could know that um, how Shakespeare was created through uh, textual studies or, or theatrical environment and so forth in the 18th century and that is different uh, obviously different from what Shakespeare was or what Shakespeare could have been in, in the 17th century so I just wanted to start studying that although I mean I know that uh, in the west it, it, it's a too basic a subject to do as a graduate student or as a scholar but for a teacher teaching for Japanese students uh, it's a very important and I decided that, you know, um, we're sharing the same uh, interest. Uh, I mean, with Professor Noguchi, I, we're sharing the, the similar interest. And he was teaching Shakespeare for his students in ritz at that time. He decided to sort of start studying that area uh, from, you know, Nicole, uh, David Nicole
0: Smith's uh, Shakespeare in the 18th century. Yes, well, they they put Shakespeare together as a body yes and branded Shakespeare and they did so in a way because the editors of Shakespeare were so prestigious themselves established poets uh, and writers like Johnson and and Pope and uh I guess it's I think it started with Nicholas Rowe and they felt a little bit more freedom to to change things but they inherited all of these quartos with all of the textual variants in the body of Shakespeare's work yes first folio and had that what the incredible um, incredible task of trying to intervene and decide themselves what was the best version yeah,
1: and at the same time Jacob Thompson the bookseller is trying to sell Shakespeare trying yeah. to make money out of Shakespeare right and uh, yeah and and, uh, I don't know what uh, exactly uh, uh, the Alexander Pope was thinking, but he was obviously trying to improve Shakespeare's uh, oh, language, yeah. and he, yes. he was on the belief that 18th century English is much better than 17th century and sophisticated English and, and so forth and Nicholas Rowe so did and I mean he was uh, doing that from uh, the uh, the perspective as a, a drama director himself, drama writer, yes, wrote
0: and and changed famously the ending of King Lear, which I, to this day ah, I know yes. you have King yes. Lear on your yes. syllabus, but I I've gotten to the uh, age you know where I just can't take it anymore. I can't take everybody dying and the idea of mm-hmm. uh, Ed uh, of Edward and. Uh, Cordelia maybe being married after all of this tragedy all of this screaming on the heath and madness and so mm-hmm. forth uh, I'm sorry Edgar and uh, the uh, to, to have something good at the end it would I think works a little bit better because it's so punishing you know yeah for me
1: though it's more interest I mean what's interesting about that comment I mean I think you'll share the view with Dr Johnson <laughs> But I don't know why, like Western people, tend to think uh, that the death of Cordelia is intolerable. And <laughs> um, as a Japanese, I mean, we are not religious, you know, uh, we uh, we just take what it is as a well. It's partly comical. I wouldn't say it's, it's a travesty, but uh, it's uh, we do not read any Christian meaning or anything in there, uh, yeah. uh, and particularly,
0: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know I think you're right, and I think that maybe yes. it's that, I don't know, I, I, I grew up in po- post-World War America and uh, I didn't uh, suffer some of the things yes. that people yes. throughout yes. history have routinely suffered, you know, the uh, yes. devastation of wars, of uh, bad economies, of disease and so forth, and people are, are just tougher in some cases uh, because they've experienced in their own lives, uh, these, these kinds of great tragedies. So, uh, it, but it's an exhausting play to see in performance. It is, it, it really challenges you. Although I think from a poetic standpoint, and I, I think you probably agree because it's on your syllabus, in terms of poetry and its literary value, I don't, and he, if you had to pick one play and nothing outside, I think it would be Lear. The, the poetry there is just unforgettable and outstanding and the nature and I think that's another thing that attracts maybe the Japanese traditional mind because of the connection traditionally between uh, Japanese culture, the nature that comes into Japanese culture uh, and the relationship with nature Yes. might be something that uh, someone born and raised in Japan might relate to very quickly. right, right. Yeah. yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, actually, I will be reading King Lear after 25 years now. The first text I taught uh, when I was 27 was King Lear, uh, with enormous difficulty, so uh, I was kind of trying to be away from the text, but uh, I, I chose the text because of the world situation rather than my, my strong interest in King Lear, but I, you know, I gave it a challenge again, and um, I'm I'm going to ask uh, students the uh how they uh feel about the ending of King Leia, especially in comparison with State's happy ending fashion and etc. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, having students' comments on that. My sensitivity is 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 weakened after living for a long time, you see. I'm looking forward to uh hearing students comment. Um, but um yeah, and and I also am interested in um, having uh, views from the students in the
0: West um, uh, regarding the ending of Lear, though. I have to talk about Lear for hours, yeah. really. Uh, but you're also interested in law in Shakespeare, as I, as am I. Um, I um started
1: studying and I'm supposed to be uh, into that subject by now, but uh, rather than law specifically, I'm more interested in the uh, legal situation after King James came to England. Mm-hmm. That's when Leah was written and, and, and Measure for Measure was written I'm mm-hmm. kind of uh, interested in situation of, of the changes uh, uh, regarding the, uh, the the consciousness of the common people or the intellectual regarding this legal issues, yes.
0: Well, Martin Ingram was invited a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, maybe three or four years ago to the Shakespeare Society. And he has oh, recently yes, published yes. a book. And I I was I was trying to write an article that I never finished. And I remember asking him about law and he knows everything uh, because mm-hmm. he, he studies the, uh, yes. the way, of course, it, uh, uh, sex. He's interested yes. In, yes. in sex and, yes. and, and, that takes and straight and, to yes. women and how the law was so forceful mm-hmm. against women mm-hmm. and how it worked. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and of course, Shakespeare famously didn't think much of lawyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and of course, Hamlet, uh, I've read an article fairly recently about the legal elements of Hamlet in terms of uh, estate and inheritance and mm-hmm. all of the various things. And I never realized how much law was in mm-hmm. Hamlet and it certainly suggests that Shakespeare knew quite a lot uh, about that mm-hmm. and of course the London theaters are right there and there were some productions right there with the ends of court and um, where lawyers were trained and so th- I guess that would be an a- attraction. This takes us to bibliography. We've talked a little bit about bibliography. Uh, that was my my advisor in graduate school was mm-hmm. a bibliographer. Uh, Trevor Howard Hill, uh, was a bibliographer and kind of a f- front runner in the uses of computers, yes. and so forth in, in compiling bibliography. And I think what one of maybe his great accomplishment was the British bibliography of bibliographies. I wasn't quite into bibliography that deeply, mm. but it shifted my thinking. Uh, and I remember he taught a class when there are eight of us here. He says, I have eight problems and I'm doing too much right now, but I have eight problems. If you research this problem and you uh, work with it, you will publish on it. On it. Mm-hmm. And everybody did everybody, because no one had seen this. He was so deeply into mm-hmm. uh, not just Shakespeare, but all of the uh, printed books of that uh, period, but it was in his case very rigorous study. It's quite difficult, isn't it, as uh, as, a, as a person who is quite
1: away from the uh, uh, central core of the discussion to delve into that, uh, uh, that area of studies. That's I about, am yeah. mm, quite interesting how uh, books were made and how books have been uh, descended to us and etc etc. Cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm also interested in hardcore issue bibliography from the perspective of Shakespeare as. Being appropriated through the cultural publication. I mean, in my mind, it's always connected with Shakespeare coming from this uh, the bookshop and Shakespeare on theater. And and Shakespeare uh, cannot live without being appropriated to uh, various forms. So book, the making of a book is one thing, uh, while uh, uh, creating theater is another. Uh, and Shakespeare is somewhere in between. So uh, uh, my interest uh, is is uh, uh, in, in the bibliography is, is, is because of that, uh, uh,
0: uh, you know, the uh, reason. It's a fascinating history when you, mm. when you back away from the many, many titles a little bit and see the flow of the publishing industry and how mm. that drove text and I think I'm right in saying in the 18th century they still would try to get subscribers in advance for a lot Mm. of these fine editions that were fairly expensive. Mm. And then gradually towards the end of the 18th century, and certainly by the beginning of the 19th century, paper became cheaper, the industrial revolution had hit, and you could Mm. get these uh, mass editions coming out, just churning out. And they found that Shakespeare by that time sold because the public, a greater, larger there was a larger reading public out there, uh, mm. better education. And when you look at the uh, Nicholas Rose edition,
1: you can see that its octavo volume is fairly small in yes. compared to like a folio of Shakespeare that was, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the, the predecessor of that edition. And uh, we can see that how uh, Jacob Thompson, the bookseller, was trying to, you know... <laughs> Uh, appeal to to the wider audiences and how you can see how uh, you know the 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 uh, ever before like ever increasing uh, uh, numbers of people buying the, the book
0: and and learn Shakespeare through uh, I'm speaking off the top of a head I mean. so that's where ideas star- start starts you know we may revise them later and mm. I may see something and I go you know I wish I'd added that when I was talking to you I, mm. I, talk- I wish I was talking I wish uh, I had not said that this. But this is how we think. I mean, and, and we yes. have been, uh, we have been not able to have these conversations where we can yes. walk away mm-hmm. and refine mm-hmm. our our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you look into Japanese bibliography, Shakespearean bibliography at all, say from the Meiji period? Not professionally,
1: uh, but I'm interested in how the image of Shakespeare has changed, uh, not through bibliography, but 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 as a whole through, you know, uh, a Shakespeare's image. Uh, in Meiji, uh, he was called Sao rather than and Shakespeare, which yeah. means master Shakespeare, isn't it? And rather than just simple Shakespeare, you No, know, yeah. Shakespeare was a great figure. I mean, O implies that uh, uh, this uh, poet is a great figure, uh, but we just simply call him Shakespeare or, uh, you know, ca- more casually nowadays. Um, and, and and Shakespeare was, uh, was, wasn't he a more uh, like a literature rather than
0: Shakespeare as as, as a theatrical uh, figure. I I think if you follow Shakespeare through the 18th, 19th century, depending on how large the middle class is in various areas, Mm. it's Mm. it's primarily, uh, you know, first, it's primarily England, London. Then it jumps to Germany pretty quickly and becomes international. Of course, with the American, the yes. migration, Shakespeare, Milton, the Bible—probably those three books—but mm. the big, uh, the big leap from being basically a kind of popular figure uh, was when Shakespeare began to be taught. Uh, at first, in night schools, almost like a, a senmon uh, school in, in Japan, mm. uh, for people who were from backgrounds where they couldn't learn Greek and Latin and go to Oxford or Cambridge. And, and there was felt Matthew, Matthew Arnold felt very strongly that uh, that Shakespeare would teach them enough about their cultural beginnings mm-hmm. and, and be enough to cultivate these people yes. who were poor, but it yes. made its way into American universities. Mm-hmm. And according mm-hmm. to my research, the University of Tokyo, which means Japanese universities before making it into Oxford and Cambridge. It was considered a little bit beneath the powers that were at Oxford and Cambridge, whereas Mm -hmm. the Americans um, at Harvard uh, started teaching and uh, at uh, University of Tokyo. And I think that's when the academic image or the uh, class, the idea of a what a kind of smug, higher class uh, Shakespeare really took hold because universities at that time and specifically those universities were places for young men from the right families. They weren't extraordinarily democratic institutions. So they sort of, Mm. I think Mm. uh, gave Shakespeare that type of image of the upper classes. Yes, yes. And and have
1: you studied the situation of Shakespeare in Japan before uh, uh, it was being taught uh, in university. I think it no. was more like a, a more proletarian figure. Uh, I don't know, I, I haven't checked exactly who uh, brought Shakespeare to Japan first. Is it Tsuda Umeko or, or uh, the major figures anyway uh, who, who went to the States um, and
0: yeah. Britain.
1: Um, In those days um, Shakespeare was not treated uh, as a a big figure. I I haven't checked, but the major figure, um, Sutematsu Yamakawa from Aizu uh, um, um, Fukushima, uh, she was one of the early uh, Shakespearean uh, um in Japan although she did not talk about Shakespeare but she did belong to uh, Yale University's Shakespeare society yeah. uh, uh, when when she was uh studying there I mean, she was not studying there as an exchange student but she after isa lost uh, the war and everything she uh, had to leave here and you know was uh spending a certain period of time over in the state um, and that's when we encountered Shakespeare like for the first time in, in, in after Meiji
0: Restoration. And then there was the uh, Shingeki and I haven't done enough research into Shingeki to a new theater that very purposefully tried to fuse traditional Japanese theater with what they saw as this new western theater yes. and then pull Shakespeare into the mix and from what I understand from reading uh, did some very interesting productions uh, of of Shakespeare, but I'm not sure how elite the new theater productions were, whether they were open more to the middle classes. And Shingeki's were appealing to the
1: the middle class uh, audiences. uh, uh, Wasn't that, I mean, in the sixties and seventies, I think. I mean, before, before whole a movement of Angra theater happened to
0: and a sense of trying to cut down what we call the uh, iconic Shakespeare to take Shakespeare off its pedestal and say, here's what we can do with these dramas that by the way, are ab- it's abundantly clear that they're not focused just for aristocrats. Yes. There are a lot of aristocrats there, but these themes and the movements and the, 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 the human emotions that everybody feels and even in the poetry and so forth that a, a reasonably literate man in the 16th or woman in the 16th century uh, would would have access to mm. these things. They did not have to come from uh, mm. uh, either extremely well-educated or certainly not an aristocratic background. And yeah, and I think people figured this out and there was probably a boom after mm. the 60s and 70s and a sort yes. of, and I think you kind of see some of that present in the the Baz Luhrmann production of Romeo and Juliet Mm. where he just goes over the top you know just makes this part of the kind of a gang culture with all the guns and shooting and and so forth and and that's fun that's that's fun and maybe he's getting close to the spirit of what those bad boys were doing in Romeo and Juliet they are essentially yeah yeah I uh, I like the production
1: yes.
0: Uh, sort mm-hmm. of like uh, the, the children of very rich men who may not have made their money in an in, in, um, in, in exactly legal way. So they're second generation yeah. yes, yes. Uh, bad boys mm-hmm. uh, out there stride, fighting on the streets. That led me to do as much as, as I could, as much uh, the, looking into riots in London and how yeah. frequent they are the riots were, uh, we, we think of Romeo and Juliet, and my students do when we start, as this love play and we're going to talk about love and so and it starts with the street fight, <laughs> <laughs> And of course.
1: Yeah, uh, increasingly uh, like students are, are, are associating Romeo and Juliet with violence nowadays rather than romance.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're talking about performance now and I have a graduate student who's working on performance and she has uh, a, an extreme interest in how Shakespeare is appropriated. And of course, it's part of the younger generation. And I think she's on the verge of, of showing the argument that Shakespeare is becoming at one and the same time, the, the traditional or what we ca- kind of the iconic Shakespeare continues. Yes, But yes. then all, there's this whole layer of different types of productions that are much more open, that they belong to for children, for yes. uh, university students who are not trying to impress their parents that mm. actually want to go out and have some fun yes. uh, seeing a Shakespeare play and that there's a kind of openness that uh, is coming. So the, the iconic status, you, you can take it or leave it in, in a way uh, and that's becoming more easy to do. Uh, is basically the dire- direction she's on now. And I think considering ideas, maybe for the future, uh, maybe beyond me, m- beyond my time on this earth, where a type of literary study can be introduced to Japanese secondary school, to middle and high schools.
1: Yeah, that is um, uh,
0: you know, what I'm interested in
1: yeah. at the moment. Um, yes, unless we. Uh, uh, getting the attention of younger generations, we cannot uh, uh, continue teaching Shakespeare at college level. <laughs> yes, and you know uh, there are a lot of sources for younger children. I mean, uh, when you know our kids are smaller, we used to uh, let them watch uh, the the cartoon show called Paman. It's a very popular show. Well, if I think you know sure. that. And whole uh, yes. oh, story is based upon Romeo and Juliet it's uh it's uh uh between a uh, fungus and bread and uh, uh the offsprings were in love with each other and and, and that sort of things. Uh, I'm being uh, bread <laughs> uh,
0: and in uh, the spirit of uh of uh Japanese uh concern toward the health of children yes, yes. Uh, it really harks back to after World War II when bread was something exotic you know, mm-hmm. everything was rice so they had to yeah. have a public Yes. campaign to encourage students to love bread. And, and
1: looking at that cartoon, you see a lot of allusions to Shakespearean plays. Actually, the, uh, the, uh, the show uses Shakespearean language <laughs> at various wow. points. So uh, uh, students, uh, and I mean, small kids in Japan have, uh, have exposure already at the age of three or five, you know, uh, to, to Shakespearean uh, language and also Shakespearean situations. I, I've
0: never thought of uh, Anpanman, Man*, but uh, Man, yes. Anpan yes. Man, uh, But uh, my son loved it when we were yes. in Hiroshima. It's, it's, it's read the the the, the whole, uh, uh, you know,
1: uh, read or watch Anpanman Man* series with your children. I mean, you, you find a lot of Shakespearean allusions. I, I once gave a task to my students to 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 find uh, the allusions from, from uh, of, of Shakespearean plays uh, from Anpanman shows. And, and they came up with a lot of examples, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, I, I believe there was a character who, who is called Hamuletto, and uh, it's obviously it's, uh, it's it's a parody of Hamlet, and and he uh, soliloquizes uh, uh, like the, to be something equivalent to "to be or not to be." He, he's uh, he's a really melancholic uh, uh,
0: figure. I, I'm going back 25 years now. Um to mm. Hiroshima where I knew yes. uh, I, I was still a very very basic uh, Japanese so I probably didn't mm. pick that up when my son of yes. course when you're three or four years old you learn a language in 20 minutes he yes. was just transfixed and by the way he learned a lot of language from watching anime and those kinds of cartoons yes yes uh,
1: and also if your children saw an NHK show, uh, Nihongo de Asobo, the Playing with Japanese Language uh, uh, done by Nomura Mansai. He wasn't yeah. he uh, saying yayakoshiya, yayakoshiya, Ah, uh, that is deriving from Takahashi Yasunari sensei's translate, I mean adaptation of uh, comedy of errors. So uh, oh. the, the language is not exact translation of Shakespearean word, but um, I mean, if um, one learned Japanese through that NHK show, uh, it means that uh, this, the the Japanese people are learning even our language through. Uh, through
0: Shakespeare. Well, I, I'm working on an article now uh, yeah. with uh-huh. my student and Matsuyama sensei. Yes. Uh, Matsuyama sensei is very cl- uh, cl- Yes, he knows uh, a lot about uh, anime,
1: yes, and, uh, anime
0: and Shakespearean moments in anime. That's right. Mm-hmm. A blast of tempest, I think, is how it translates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she knows all of these things. I have no idea. We're working with the idea for a short article on uh, asobi Gokuro, which would be mm-hmm. playfulness. But it's a very, mm, very difficult to explain in English exactly how that asobi that you brought up yeah. uh, is very much uh, so it, it just threaded through Japanese. Ah, uh, creative arts and using that as a as a tying as a theme. and I, I think we should look at the word play games that you just talked about, uh, that my daughter actually would play endlessly with her Japanese mm. friends, where you say a word and the last syllable of the word has to be the first syllable of the next word. Uh, so, you know, and they they would just go on and on and on, yeah, yeah. and how wonderful that was for her vocabulary building in in Japanese, uh, and and getting what we call a functional vocabulary, making mm. it part of how you speak rather than words you words you understand words that you use, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, and there's so many wonderful educational tools, it's particularly in early childhood education in Japan, it's just outstanding. I think just yes. I don't know every system in the world, but it's gotta be one of the best, if not the best. Mm-hmm. So, and I hear that from my colleagues and my friends who are Japanese, maybe critical of high school sometimes, or you know the, the strictness of the high school curriculum, mm-hmm. but it seems that everyone up to the uh, end of Shogak, the, the sixth grade in America, elementary school, has these wonderful memories uh, mm-hmm. from that period. Yes. Uh, and something to be imitated. But uh, yeah, getting back to Shakespeare though, the, when you start looking, you see these hints and I think it's something that would be good for particularly Japanese scholars and young scholars to, uh, to take, examine. One of the big key words now is appropriation, cultural appropriation, yeah. yes. which is considered bad. But other scholars are saying, no, just because it's appropriated, I mean, how do you do anything in drama without appropriating something? You know? And uh, so it's a, it's an interesting theoretical uh, area, too. You know, the Shakespeare himself seems to be appropriating
1: Bibles and his original stories and everything. So why don't we, uh, you know, uh, keep on appropriating Shakespeare to, uh, to uh, various uh, uh, platforms various cultures and Italian stories, uh,
0: French stories or stories Mm. that were uh, appropriated from the Italian to the French to the English. Uh, I mean they were doing this long before uh, Shakespeare was being imported to Japan Uh, and the challenges of translation which is the next thing I want to ask you about because when you're translating a scholar like Peter Blaney into Japanese, what are, what's the challenge there? Not, not just Shakespearean Mm -hmm. language, but you're translating scholarly language into Japanese. Is it easier or harder than translating Shakespeare into Japanese? Well, first of all,
1: I'm not good at translating literary language such as Shakespeare's, and uh, I'm also not good at translating scholarly language. But um, yes, uh, Difficult, yes, to because uh, sometimes when we talk about something that is not existing in Japanese culture, uh, especially the terminologies or way we call each part of the book, for example, uh, the 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 words simply do not exist. Um, and even if they uh, exist, uh, it's difficult to. I mean, it's not common, so uh, we have to sort of change the the. the the ways of expressing each uh, scholarly language to uh, intelligible uh, words and phrases. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult
0: part I think. Um, but I, I think most of the colleagues I've had mm-hmm. were uh, talking about uh, Tomiyama sensei who translated, I think, Derrida into ah. Japanese and mm-hmm. Of course i i don't I can't think of anything more difficult than a french post structuralist criti- mm. theorist mm. trying mm. to translate that person into any language but then there's there's a i think a wider gap and we get into mm. uh, you know character driven languages like uh, Japanese or chinese mm. Or, mm. and uh, so uh, I am not good enough to evaluate the uh, the level of your translation, but from what I've seen so far, it looks fine to me Uh, and I I do not consider myself an an expert, but it's uh, it's a uh, wonderful uh, sort of thing and I'm glad that you did it. That brings up the question in in terms of the theater. Do you think there should be uh, more of a movement to produce Shakespeare in English on the stage in Japan or can you just not Um, succeed unless you use the native tongue?
1: Well it's, I don't know, I mean in in modern English you mean or? uh, Yeah that's the question isn't it? Shakespeare is done entirely in English, it's uh, it's only, I mean the present moment, I mean if you look at the uh, college students uh, it only bores the audience I think, unless you use a lot of visual uh, images or like some other techniques, other than language, to communicate the uh, the uh, the feelings of each scene. Translating Shakespeare into Japanese is, I think, it's a it's a, it's a good means to good ways of uh, of um, I mean showing Shakespeare. And I mean, I don't know if. We think of how Shakespeare might have been done in 17th centuries, though. I mean, did people understand Shakespeare's language? I mean, except aristocrats and intellectuals who, who who might have understood um, all uh, uh, that's been said. Uh, I think that a lot of the audiences were relying heavily on. Uh, the the um, nonverbal expressions, or a lot of Shakespeare's are actually allusions to to Bibles, for example, and uh, uh, the audiences could relate uh, their experience of the Bible to 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 get into what, what you know to, to, to what's going on o- on stage. But uh, we are not living, I mean, not sharing the same culture as the 17th century England in, in Tokyo, for example, we need to, well, we, we need to give, up, give it up, for example,
0: I mean. I think I mean, that, that yes, between the, the publication of some of the earlier quartos and uh, plays from the 90s and, and mm. then there's a uh, 20 year plus gap to, until you get to the first folio, I think you could argue some of the editorial life changes that I've seen in the first folio are done because the issue is no longer contemporary 20 years later. So, and it might not and, be- And also first folio and Shakespearean texts in 17th centuries is specifically
1: uh, uh, a target for the uh, intellectual audiences. I mean, yeah. those those who were able to read at least um, and yeah. enjoyed play through reading but Shakespeare in theater, I mean, it got to be it it it's got to be uh, uh, appealing to the uh, illiterate audiences as as well. Yeah, or
0: or the semi-literate. The mm. people. And even um. looking at Romeo and
1: Juliet, uh, uh, we we could see which bit is you know I mean for example, the beginning of Romeo and Juliet is full of slangs and, and that the that, that, uh, is written in the language which may have been. Uh, familiar to the uh, a group of audience sitting in uh, uh, in 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 front of the stage, for example. Um, whereas when uh, Prince Aeschylus came to to start speaking uh, a, a verse uh, uh, for the first time in 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 the play, uh, you know the 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 audiences in the groundling could perhaps understood the uh, the whole. Feelings of what's being said but uh, could may, may not been able to follow what is actually uh, spoken uh, by that high uh, language. It also happens to Japanese audiences like I mean
0: slang bits in the beginning I mean it's difficult to follow in in, in Japan. A lot of things have come out here because mm-hmm. we're talking number one about mm-hmm. the Changes in idiom and also in social changes that Mm. may have happened over 20 years of Mm. the textual history, early textual history of Shakespeare. And we're talking about jumping that into English speaking society 200, 300, 400 Mm. years later, where, Mm. you know, when you get to our time, all of the horse jokes, unless you're very familiar Mm. with Mm. the etymology, Mm. uh, I think in much ado, uh, Beatrice says that benedict always used mm-hmm. to, to say jade's trick mm-hmm. jade being a horse and the jade's trick being when the horse gets out of the bridle mm-hmm. by shaking it and mm-hmm. getting out of a conversation that way you know just saying mm-hmm. i'm finished but i don't even try to explain that now it takes too long and i would have to do the same explanation mm-hmm. California. If I were teaching there, and then starting to move Shakespeare to other languages, you asked a very pertinent question. I think, uh, I think German productions, modern German productions of Shakespeare, would be done more, it more in more modern German rather than classical German. But I'm not sure. Yeah, Professor Kawai at uh, University of Tokyo feels is driven, according to his own interview, to get precisely, you know, to try to hit the mm-hmm. meaning as precisely as possible. And I think collected all of these translations, I know collected all of these translations just of to be or not to be. And mm-hmm. in, in another one of these conversations, I forget who I was talking to, I think um, Alexa uh, Jovan, but we're talking about how many uh, attempts in a language that has no to be verb. And then uh, Kawhi says, uh, Professor Kauai himself mm-hmm. also uh, puts forward his translation, which to, to my sensibility seems very good. I think I was told that even in, in Chinese also, there's a lack of a to be verb. Mm-hmm. That's just interesting. But isn't that very difficult though, unless we specify the meaning of to be or not to
1: be to to at least something. I mean, uh, I mean to be or not to be itself works in English language, but uh, when you translate that into Japanese
0: uh, uh, language, we need to sort of specify. <laughs> yeah, are you talking about uh-huh. breathing? Are you talking about suicide? You know, could it be? Uh, and many translators have just said, I have to go in mm-hmm. just like those 18th century editors. I'm gonna to have to intervene and bring what I think is the closest meaning. Yeah. Uh, so at I, the same time,
1: we need yeah. to uh, uh, create cultural meaning or, or add some culturally specific meaning to the play of Hamlet to, to, to make the specific line works in whatever uh, version uh, that, uh, uh, in, in whatever way that was translated.
0: Yeah, but I'm thinking of the reverse of that and just take a very popular uh, anime animation uh, Totoro. Uh, I saw Totoro dozens of times because my daughter when she was uh, five or six years old, I think watched portions of it every day. She loved Mm -hmm. Totoro and Sailor Moon and it was in Japanese and it helped me learn Japanese at the time. Then I saw a version in English dubbed in English. And I could hear clearly how the difference between the, the meaning of the Japanese words and how the English just wasn't hitting at the same level. Mm. And maybe the translator could have done a little better job or or whatnot, but it's very difficult to get the essence of what's happening. Mm. Yes. Uh, and, and you could say that would even beyond language, you know, the importance of the um, Uh, of the hot water tub and Obasan and uh, the grandmother who tells the kids about the little spirits in the woods and so forth and this movie being what designed for a culture that had had Mm -hmm. felt a separation from their homes because so many people at that time back in the 80s had moved from from country to city and there was a feeling a sentimental feeling of wanting to return even though there's no economy out there. So uh, all of that, you know, it's hard to translate all of that. Uh, And yet Totoro still remains. Mm. My my students don't know who Bob Dylan is, but they know Mm. who Totoro is, it it (laughs) keeps on going. So he hit enough universal Mm. themes, kind of like Shakespeare did. Mm. So if we don't get exactly the jokes between uh, the courtiers at the beginning or some uh, the many, many jokes, we get the general impression of the fact that these young people are fighting for no reason, what Aeschylus calls what the airy word born out of just air. Mm. Uh, and even though we might not know how riotous Sunday, the London society may have been during the writing of that play, because uh, I think I can track a, a specific riot to and in Shoreditch, which would have been close to the Curtain Theatre, mm. and I think there was a riot before the production. Of, not mm. not because of Romeo and Juliet, but it was being directly referential to a particular right. street fight. Mm. Uh, mm. But I'm not sure yet. I'm, it's, it's work in progress. Mm. All right. So ex- uh, tell me what you are planning to do in the future as a scholar. What what's uh, next in your on your list of things well i have two things in mind the, the 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 first uh project would
1: be concerning shakespeare and, l- and the law in the jacobian period i mean uh the, the the change of legal situation after king james how it affected shakespearean plays and that is something i should be working on the next uh, few years and uh, another uh I, I would say the lighter topic than that would be uh because i mean we Know very little about um, how Shakespeare was was uh, uh, created through printing and book trading in the seventeenth century. I want to sort of study the specific printers and um, how uh, they. How, and I mean, it might be impossible, but I try to uh, discover uh, why the specific play was chosen to be printed and and why and you know what sort of uh, um, ideas were behind the publication of each play, to, to King Lear to begin with, Yes. why uh, Nathaniel Butter uh, chose to print the King Lear. Uh, that was his first uh, publication, Shakespearean publication, and also he uh, uh, gave it a very curious title, uh, uh, the, the Master Shakespeare's uh, uh, King Lear. Before, uh, you know, 1597 uh, Shakespeare's name was not uh, 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 on the front page of, of the koto but uh, for some reason it started appearing uh, uh, in front of the book, which means could signify that Shakespeare's name was saleable, and Nathaniel Butter uh, uh, printed uh, prominently on the top uh, with master with M added, and um, well. Uh, he, want to sort of uncover why uh, this this happened and why King Lear was chosen by by this particular printers and so forth. So I'm going to write a story of each individuals involved in making of Shakespeare. Uh, that's um, something, the second uh, topic I
0: should be working on. Yeah, that's fa- that's fascinating. And, and I think the focus on Lear- These
1: two topics are for uh, mainly Japanese audiences though. And uh, as a, uh, uh, international scholar, I want to uh, keep writing something that is going on in Japan like Ninagawa Shakespeare or his uh, his influences to younger generation and so forth in English. Uh, I think that's my job to uh, keep, uh, you know, uh, 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 publicizing about that to the world. So I look to both sides uh, from now on. Yes,
0: we were talking about Sarah Ali before. I did the uh, interview with Alexa Joven. She's someone Mm. I'd like to get. uh,
1: Yeah, she seems to have published a very interesting book uh, on on Shakespeare in East Asia. I want to, have have you read that or? I have not, I just, it's it's just uh, out.
0: It's just out, I think. Looking forward to reading it. Yeah, me too, me too. And uh, also there's a recent book uh, by Adele Lee, whom I've not met, Mm -hmm. but uh, it has to do with Shakespeare in Japan and China. And mm-hmm. she, she picked some very large and very just yes. uh, uniquely different cultures. But there's some very, very interesting uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. research in, in that. When it, I started studying Shakespeare, I never dreamt of, you know, uh, talking something
1: about Shakespeare to the international audiences. I thought that I was going to teach Shakespeare to the Japanese uh, students, you see, yeah. uh, as a means of you know, uh, introducing Western culture to to uh, the domestic uh, uh, audiences, but uh, the things have changed over uh, the 30 years, um, and uh, I never thought that I was going to be introducing something about Japanese Shakespeare to the
0: uh, the worldwide uh, uh, audiences. That's the history. That's from mm. the major um, period of bringing in the West. To uh, make Japan part of the international community by importing and understanding the cultures around them, Mm -hmm. and I think even in my career, the the guy, the professors who were older than me, that's basically all they felt they needed to do. But now, because I guess of Japan's prominence, you know, economic and cultural Mm -hmm. prominence in the world, it attracts scholars who want to, to pull something yes. back from mm-hmm. Japan into their own cultures. But, yeah. and, uh, and also from the students' perspective, Shakespeare is no longer
1: something that they study uh, by way of studying about Western culture, but they, they need Shakespeare as a platform of communication, uh, isn't it? I mean, like, because we, we share Shakespeare, we are able to share Shakespeare worldwide. I mean, to to know about Shakespeare means that uh, they could communicate with uh, uh, others. Shakespeare is no longer an icon of Western uh, uh, literature, but it's already uh, a a vehicle of of, of, uh, communication with with others. So, from the students, you know, they they need to learn Shakespeare anyway. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, we need to change our ways of uh, introducing Shakespeare to students. (laughs)
0: Uh, it, it's still something we struggle with every year. You know, mm-hmm. what? How can we get better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've just got we've just been at that time of year where how do I make my class next year better?
1: I, I teach uh, a Shakespeare for the literature students, but on the other hand, uh, I'm fully in charge of uh, food science students, and uh, I'm organizing a uh, English language uh, 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 ses- section of the department. So I'm always uh, trying to. Connect uh, my, my Shakespearean background to the education of English
0: language and also food sciences. <laughs> yeah in fact years ago uh, is Professor Ida at uh, uh, Hiroshima University was in our faculty and he was uh, quickly uh, befriended me and uh, became kind of a uh, mm. uh, senpai and a little bit you know he was more advanced but he, he told me more than once he goes if you can write the book on Shakespeare and food um, that will be a very popular book in Japan, <laughs> and I never did because I didn't have the resources at that time to research it. And and then some people did start started doing research in that area far probably far better than I could, because it's it's very difficult to um, to gather from Shakespearean text and then cross reference what the diets were and so forth. But mm. probably you can assume not very nutritious, <laughs> and uh, so. Mm. Uh, so that, that was a, another area and I'm probably an area that still can be done. That's all very interesting. Uh, are you just as a sort of final question Are have, have you decided yet in our case, we're not quite sure how we're going to manage classes. Of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic for anybody, you know, watching this five years from now. Presently, I try not to think
1: about that. I, you know, I have been on sabbatical uh, uh, this year. Oh,
0: lucky you. (laughs) Lucky you. I
1: will gradually start, uh, uh, you know, thinking about um, how I teach uh, using this network. And I don't know uh, the situation after April, but um, it's going to be a mixture of online classes and also physical uh, face-to-face meeting in the classroom
0: we're struggling with some key words more than we are the actual mechanics. And I wish we would start looking more toward the mechanics of what uh, high flex means or what uh, the uh, hybrid classroom will actually mean. Like how do you set up your, your computer and the technology? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's created you know, more stress and a stressful time because we just became accustomed to teaching online and now we, they, they want us to pivot. And this is all across the world, all of this is happening. Everybody has been struck by this. In our university administration, they have really very conscientiously, with the, in their best, everybody's best interest in mind, have tried to set up policies and, and this and that, and it's just extremely hard. For, yeah. for them and it's extremely hard for teachers and nobody really knows. And here we are almost a year into it and we're still in this, in this not knowing, you know, so in the best case scenario, we'll be okay after mm-hmm.
1: not so yeah. long. I, I but, try to yeah. be optimistic in that. And also because I study Shakespeare, I tend to be a um, flexible. I mean, I mean yeah. Shakespeare can be appropriated in any forms, you know. Uh, our classes could be. Yeah. <laughs> this is my my room uh, in my house. Uh, very. You're at um, home. You're at home. Uh, my, my, yes. Yeah, yes. I would have to organize uh, um, one one
0: room uh, specifically for that purpose. That's right. <laughs> Well, we live, you know, and we live with people, I, you know, I have my wife and uh, she likes to, you know, we're not in a very big place. She likes to walk around and do whatever she does during the day. And, and uh, I have taught from home uh, when we, when it, it seemed like it was getting very bad and mm. I didn't want to, but almost all the way through, except for a lockdown period, we've been able to come into our office and mm-hmm. I find it to be very safe because they're, they're not bunches of students on campus and my colleagues are either here or there, they're not a lot of us around. So yeah. I've tried to direct as much teaching from right here where I have my books, where I have all of my uh, records and stuff. And I, uh, I think you'll find that it's, uh, it's not that hard. Uh, I, I think the hardest part last year is that we were so much in the dark about where things were going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had, you know, there's a lot of committee work. We're, we're just like everyone else. We, we have committee works, we have reports and we have to, and all of that had to be done online. And mm-hmm. we had to set up some policies for how we do things. You know, I hosted a couple of lectures. And before yes, we it. did that, my, our committee had to write a policy about how to do that and whether or not we were going to do it. And that was a lot of work. And of course, we we uh, unlike a lot of other cultures, we set the entrance exam. And if you were on sabbatical, you you were freed that obligation last year, right? Of of uh yes i was yes isn't that wonderful (laughs) i was on sabbatical (laughs) last year yeah but you know i was supposed to be in oxford
1: by now and uh for the whole period but i had to give it up and oh i'm so sorry Sorry. professors you have another sabbatical you know we need to spend uh, maybe another 10 years or so so yeah um oh i'm a bit disappointed i'm Oh, that's sad. Right in the small office and I'm <sighs> always saying, you know, after uh, Richard II, I'm studying how I may compare the prison where I live to the world. And oh. all this always soliloquizing this particular line to myself.
0: <laughs> you know, it's just so sad, it's so sad. And there are several opportunities I had to do research mm-hmm. last summer, uh, other things that I had to cancel uh, a couple of conferences. Mm-hmm. and and I feel bad about that and then I feel guilty because there are are people out there who you have lost their jobs and who've gotten very very sick and and so I start feeling guilty but uh, I'm hoping that we're through the worst of this. Mm -hmm. What I want to repeat is just how much I how much I appreciate you stepping forward uh, because I have contacted you know we were (laughs) contacting we were contacting several people and I think they f- felt like they had to do an enormous amount of preparation for this. And you 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 don't, you know, we're, we're trying to find out what you have done. And, you know, it's not like a conference where you'd have to do a paper and so forth. But because you've stepped forward, uh, and I think I use the... But obviously, you need a lot of editing from now on. <laughs> well, it is, I think it might be cultural in Japan. There's one place on my walk, when I'm walking outside my school, there's one very... Narrow street that has a stoplight, and there's never a car on it. It's and you can see down, you know, but it's a fairly long stop on the mm. sidewalk. And if I'm in a hurry, I just walk across. Mm. And I've done that. But don't tell anyone I did that because that's terrible. Because people wait <laughs> at stops, you know. But mm. and I look behind me, and there people will st- will start following me across so if we have some leadership here with you <laughs> might get some other people to walk you know mm. uh, across what might not be a, they they, what they may sense is dangerous but if which isn't dangerous at all and uh and and so it's just very happy because i i can't do this series without uh, participation from my colleagues here in in mm. tokyo and in japan it just wouldn't make sense that's the that's just what you were talking about. Know, I'm, I'm very sure that
1: a lot of other Japanese professors can be- make better contributions than I do.
0: Oh, you're you being know. humble, <laughs> you're, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I had no idea until I started looking more closely at your work, how much we overlapped in our interest uh, in, in Shakespeare and in terms of the reception, 18th century uh, and the uh, bibliography and the uh, and even even the performances and so forth and it's just been a joy really talking to you uh, with you today uh, about these things and i'm hoping that you know that this might continue in some way that we can continue either doing it like this or uh get together for a little conference to discuss yeah we can perhaps cooperate
1: in in our classes maybe or uh we exchange our uh, ideas well i'd be delighted we Again, can physically visit each other because we are, are teaching at very uh, close institutions.
0: We are, and if you are able in this in this kind of format, we can invite you to teach our students something about uh, well yeah, anything. I, I would love to speak to your students on uh, whatever topics that uh, they might be interested. We'll in. we'll, see, we'll see which class it is, and uh, coordinate time schedules and so forth, but. Uh, my seminar yes, class, yeah, and, yes. Yeah, yes. in particular, my seminar yes. class or, or maybe graduate class, if we're if you're free at the same hour, mm-hmm. that would be very easy to set up. And uh, and I'm going to teach for maybe two or three weeks to get comfortable with the students and so forth. Yes. But yes. early in the next spring term, if mm-hmm. if we can, if you will agree, we, we can have you come in and, and give us a talk. and. Uh, and and it can be really anything. Yeah, I'd love we'll to talk do that. About, uh, anything, if you're if yes. you're willing. Yes, I'd love to do that, and I also love to invite you over to my class to do the same. <laughs> I, I would be delighted. I hope that I hope that we can come physically, face to face. But yes. if not we can we can do it this way, yes. um, and uh, I'm, we're able to after now that we have our policy in place, uh, we can. Mm. It's easy to do, and it just it doesn't have to be international. People all the time. You know, we need. to or we could f- invite other speakers to to this session, uh, to to our
1: uh, uh, you know class classes, and do do a panel and that, that sort of thing. That
0: so, would be wonderful. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. would be wonderful to do. Well, let's think about this in the future. Okay. Yes. Well, what I want to do is make sure that you uh, have a restful uh, rest of your sabbatical. You still have uh, two more months or so. Thank to, you very much. To uh, to do that and to thank you so much again, uh, Hito, for joining us today. It's thank it's you very much for giving wonderful, this, wonderful
1: you. opportunity today.
0: Okay, and we have to we we'll have we bow to each other here in Japan, okay. and so uh, uh, thank you so much again.